Good day and welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast, mainly for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday, and a big thanks to C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV for their support, and I truly appreciate them. This is the show to help you explore ways to become the best version of yourself at work as a manager. Each episode, you'll hear from some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share your passion to elevate and transform team culture. They share insights in self-leadership and leading others. Together, we can make workplace culture better. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Avish Parashar fell so much in love with improv, improvisational theatre or comedy on the spot, while studying for his bachelor degree in computer science at University of Pennsylvania, that after graduating, apart from working as a computer programmer in Chase Manhattan Bank for a time, he formed Polly Wampus Improv Comedy, performing around Philadelphia for years. Avish progressed to speaking and workplace training using improv comedy as a tool to teach business skills of creativity, innovation and adaptability. A past chapter president of National Speakers Association, Avish is author of two books, Improvise to Success and the best-selling book I'm the proud owner of, Say Yes And. And avoiding the yes but trap is the theme of today's episode. Welcome, Avish Parashar. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Nina. Well, you're an improv expert and uh, our theme today is avoiding the yes but trap. So mm-hmm. perhaps we could uh, demonstrate to our listeners. I'm, I'm sort of game if you're willing to uh, open up with a question. And uh, we're going to start with one version and then we'll do it again with the second version. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. It's what I do with a lot of my clients. That's a, a fun way for us to start. Yeah. Uh, so you want me to start? Yes, please. Uh, Nina, where should we meet? Well, I know a really great cafe in the Sydney Opera House. Uh, yes, but I think that's going to be a very touristy location. I don't know if I want to go there. Well, yes, but I've been there many times and it's there's a secret cafe that's away from where all the people come and go and the food is fabulous. Uh, yes, but I'd rather go to a, a place that specializes in food, not to a cafe in an existing place. Oh, yes, but I don't think you understand that it's because people that go to opera like really good food, they they call this the Mozart Cafe and it's really good food. Uh, Yes, but that sounds like it's going to be a little fancy. I'm a very simple man with simple tastes. Oh, yes, but that's that's not the Benelong restaurant, which is the fine dining. It's geared for people that are going to the show and it's cafeteria style, but fine dining quality food. It's the best of both worlds. Yes, but I don't really like opera, and I'm afraid I'll get feeling very weird being in an opera house. Oh, I thought you might like like the Sydney Opera House. Oh, well, <laughs> I'll think of someplace else. <laughs> you, can see, right. uh, you can see how the person who's making all the suggestions and being met with yes, but just kind of it, the, the, the air deflates out of their balloon really slowly, and then eventually they've got an empty balloon. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it, it totally, like, it saps your will to live almost. You just sort of like, ah, I don't want to talk to this person anymore. <laughs> All right, so we're going to try it the other way around now. So you, um, 
you ask the same question, do you? I'm, and I'm, I'm going to try the same answer, but you'll be doing a different response. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, so Nina, where should we meet? Well, you're a visitor to Australia, so I'd really like to suggest the cafe that I know in the Sydney Opera House. Yes, and since I'm new here, I'm going to trust that you probably know the best places to go eat. Oh, believe me, I go there to eat even if I'm not going to a show at the Sydney Opera House. It's really good. Uh, yes, and if we're at the Sydney Opera House, I understand it's a very touristy location, so it's probably worth checking out while we're there. Well, absolutely, because the uh, the Sydney Opera House uh, people that look after the entire uh, facility, that they go to great pains to make sure that everything is high quality. So I feel confident you'll really enjoy my choice. And not only that, you get to say you've eaten at the Sydney Opera House. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. And um, since it's the cafe, I assume that, you know, even if I've got simple taste, I'll be able to find something that I like to eat there. Oh, yes. I'm not taking you to the fine dining place. I'm taking you to the place that is it's cafeteria style. It's really quality food. There's there's something for everybody. Look, there's even roast chicken if you just want roast chicken. You know? And there's even pizza slices. But there's other really good things that I will probably choose. <laughs> well, that sounds great. And I am ready to go. That's great. I think we're going to both be happy. <laughs> well, wasn't that an interesting experience? I, I got more excited and more excited and I felt so happy that you were happy uh, with the yes and responses. Well, it's amazing. We're, I mean, we're, we're virtual, so uh, I'm nowhere near the Sydney Opera House right now. But be, even though we're having a fake conversation, you, it does feel like the energy just feels different. Even though it's not a real lunch we're setting up, it still feels different. That's right. That's right. And, and look, I've actually come across this lesson at a training course Oh, 25 years ago? Mm -hmm. And it's been a personal practice of mine to, to consciously choose yes and rather than yes but, even though I catch myself out saying yes but. It, it, it requires a little bit of mental discipline. So when I saw your book, when I was at the National Speakers Association conference, I grabbed it because I went, you're the first person to put it in writing that I that I know of. And I'm, I'm thrilled that you've written this book and I want to share it with my listeners. You say yes oh. and. and. Well, you, thank you very it, much. I believe it's a I, bestseller on Amazon. Uh, you know, I, I did the I did the launch thing, so I did get to you know top of 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 a category like in the top ten. So that was exciting. Mm. Uh, and yeah, now I sell it mostly through you know some online, a lot with speaking engagements and things. Um, so we just did an exercise called the yes but trap, and can you put in words the, the difference between the two, how it feels? Uh, sure. And if you just listen to this, you probably could immediately feel it just as a listener. But yes, but is negative. It's an argument uh, and can very easily hurt the relationship. You know, we kind of jokingly said like, oh, I don't at the end, you feel like, oh, I don't want to talk to this person anymore. And it, it stops all progress. Like we made no plans, nothing advanced. Uh, and by contrast, yes, and is positive. It it feels good. It energized both of us just having this conversation kind of built the relationship uh, and it made progress, right? We, we, we made decisions, we made plans. Here's what we're going to do. We're also going to see the opera house while we're there. So it really, it, you know, one is negative, damaging and stops everything. The other is positive, building and collaborative and keeps things moving forward. 
So if a manager replies to a team member's suggestion with a yes but, it's really just another way of saying no. Is that right? Uh, yes, because whenever uh, the general rule of thumb is when you say but, you're essentially negating everything you just said. Uh, so it could be, oh, you know what? That is the best idea. I really like your ideas, uh, employee. But it doesn't matter they liked your idea. They're just immediately going to throw it out the window. It's almost a red flag word and people stop listening after that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, if you think of the flip side, if you think of the worst like customer service you've received or the worst interactions, it was somebody saying, but to you. You know, exactly. oh, I'd love to help you, but you don't have your receipt or, but that's not our company policy or, you know, but you didn't make the reservation far enough in advance. It's, you know, we hate hearing it. And when you add, unfortunately, and say, but unfortunately, oh, <laughs> you can get, oh, they're all triggers. People get, yeah, it's a trigger. It's a trigger. So um, really, it's just a matter of changing just one word, changing, but to and. Uh, yes, and understanding the underlying mentality, because I've done this exercise with volunteers and audience members, and sometimes, especially in my earlier days when I didn't explain or to vet the people as well, uh, you'll get someone who uses the words yes and, but they're still saying yes but. So you said, let's go to the cafe in the Sydney Opera House, and they would say, yes and, I don't really want to go to the Opera House. Oh. So the the literal change is the first step, but it's understanding the 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 mindset shift it's really I, and i tell people this it's not a literal technique it's a mindset shift of a yes but attitude to a yes and attitude why do you think the world says yes but so much i think it starts emotionally with uh, defensiveness and fear are the two emotions that drive the yes but response so starting with fear a lot of people are very uncomfortable with uncertainty um so they get a plan they have a thing they want things to go and when something comes in that's going to force them out of their comfort zone or that they're uncertain about the result, they get a little bit of afraid. And so they respond with a yes, but like, yeah, but I don't want to step out of my comfort zone, right? Yes, but keeps us in our comfort zone. Yes. And forces you to take a step out. And so I think that's the first. And the second, which is a little bit related is defensiveness. So sometimes if you're coming to me with a complaint or a criticism, uh, I might get defensive, even if you're not saying negative me. But if you say, oh, Avish, you know, when you, um, you know, you you took my pen, you know, I'd be like, oh, but like, yeah, but I, it was just a pen. Why are you upset? Because now I feel like you're criticizing me and I get defensive and my ego response kicks in. I, yeah, I, and it's I, funny, I, use the phrase, and I don't know if this is where it came from about the message is the meaning or something like that. And I came across that in something and I applied it to improv and then to communication, which is the the meaning of your communication or the is, is the message the person receives. And what I mean by that is like, it doesn't matter if I intended you not to be offended, the way you interpret it is, is like the point. And so if I look at through that filter, then it's my responsibility and I get accountability to how I communicate, you know, too many people, especially in like the work world, they just want to say the words. Like if I just say the words, well, I'm now absolved of responsibility because I said what I was supposed to say or, but they don't pay attention to, did the person get it? What message did the communication give to them? Um, but when you take it from the perspective, oh, if you didn't understand my meaning properly, then I need to adjust how I communicate. Not you need to adjust how you listen. Avish, that is so profound. And I think it's one of the biggest messages that 
new new uh, young people to to uh, corporations often have to learn because they it's it you do have to swallow your ego just a little bit and go well if if that person didn't understand what was it about my communication that was not clear or if mm-hmm. if that was the response i got it's emotional intelligence to reflect upon your communications and go if that was the response what was it about what i said not my intention, but what how it actually came out that contributed to that response. I think it takes a big person to to be able to self-reflect in that way. Would you agree? Uh, yes, because half the time you do that, you would logically be 100% right in that you said what you were supposed to say and the other person misunderstood you. It's understanding, are you more concerned about being right or getting a result? And that defensiveness, we're all concerned about being right. And it's like, yeah, but if you go through this filter, it will make your life easier it'll make your team stronger it'll make your employees better um but it does take that that discipline putting that ego aside and being a little bit more mature and, and looking at the bigger picture one one of my f- uh, favorite uh lessons in life in life as a manager really is to understand that you can modify your choice of words to get a better response. And so this is what I call intentional language, where you don't just blurt out the first thing that comes into your head. You really think about how you frame it, how you say it, and the nuances of the words that you choose to say. Your thoughts Mm -hmm. around that? At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Uh, yes, I think that's important. And I think what's equally important is the idea of... Um, in improv, uh, we call this, I don't have an exact phrase for it, but it's, I call it act, analyze, adjust. And so, which is that you take that action, which maybe it's, you think through the words, like you said, and then you communicate, but you don't stay on that fixed path of this is how I was going to communicate this message. Rather you communicate and then you see the feedback you're getting with how you're communicating is the person receiving the message. If not, you adjust and then you slightly tweak your tone or your words because, you know, whenever we come up with an idea in our heads, like, here's, let me think through what I should say. That's the great first step. But, you know, there's a saying, you know, Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So, you know, you have your plan in your head, but the minute you open your mouth, you know, one thing I've been saying when I do communication workshops is you don't have a communication problem. What you have is an unexpected response problem. Yes. So you, your communication is that life would be easy if everyone always responded to you in the way you expected them to. You know, if you create the craftiest message in your head, like, let me give feedback to this person. And in your head, here's how I'll say it. And here's how they hopefully take it. But we all know 80% of the time, they don't respond in that positive way. They're like, they take something the wrong way or they bring up something you didn't know. And it's how we, res- that, that's where the whole improv thing, it's not a communication problem. It's an unexpected response problem. And that ability to gauge and adapt to the feedback as it's coming, I think is what makes someone a great communicator. So that would suggest that it, it, it takes judgment, a judgment call to work out, do I send an email saying everything or do I pick up the phone and start the conversation and see what response I get so that I can actually adjust 
my response based on what I'm getting back. Your thoughts around that? Uh, I agree. And again, it also comes to getting out of your own head and paying attention to the other person. Does the other person prefer the written communication or phone communication? Because some people, like I would much rather go via email. Because then I, I, like you said, the the thinking, right? I have time to respond and think through my response. Um, Versus like, you know, someone gets called, they might get defensive right away. But some people, some people just, they filter the world through, (laughs) through, through negative intention. So if you send them an email and their mind will automatically start reading in negative tones in the email, like they're going to add their own baggage. So just knowing who you're communicating with, like, would the phone be better for this? You know, and too often people, I just think of their own community. Like there's a general rule. If your email is going to be longer than two paragraphs, just walk down the hall or just pick up the phone. And I'm like, that's dumb. I hope that's not advice you get, but that's dumb because that, that takes the, that takes individuality and personality out of it. Like it just having a blanket rule, like any communication is going to be longer than a couple paragraphs should not be in an email. I'm like, well, I think it's sometimes having being able to write a long email where you can formulate their thoughts, your thoughts, they can read it and respond is incredibly useful. You know, you know what I do with long emails and when I'm giving uh, advice on communication, I say just number the paragraphs when you're changing the topic so that at least they can see it's it's a number. Oh. Of, it's not just one big sea of words about one thing. So it, it, it helps to understand. It, it, they, they can pace their reading, if you know what I mean. Look, I, I do want to talk to you about the lessons of improv and how it applies to the business world, but I have one more question about uh, yes and and yes but. How can you use but in a positive way? Well, I think the most positive way of using yes but or using but is to use no but is is actually uh, much more effective than yes but. So no but is if someone comes to you with something you can't or don't want to do, Instead of saying, uh, yeah, but I'm not interested, you say, no, I can't do that, but here's what I can do. Or no, but here's another option you may consider. Absolutely. That is the best advice, But the, the especially in customer service. It's like sometimes mm-hmm. uh, 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 operators are given uh, un, an unreasonable request, and if they can just say, I can't do this, but what I can do is, and then, but what I can do is that wonderful phrase. So that's really good right. advice. So um, you've also written the book Improvise to Success, mm-hmm. and it's about improv and applying it to business. So um, what, what are some of the rules of improv, which is spontaneous comedy, uh, which you've you had a lot of experience at your, in your university days, is that right? I started there and then I kept doing it. So it's been almost 30 years that I've been performing and studying and teaching improv comedy. Fantastic. What are, what are some of the rules of improv that, that can have a, a, a lesson for business? Uh, all right. So there's a couple we talked about. One was the act, analyze, adjust. And that's just this idea of step by step, the yes and versus yes, but. One of the main ones I talk about is um, the improviser's mindset, which what I found, because I ran an improv group for years and we had auditions. And what I found is what separated people who are good at improv from bad at improv was not the level of skill or experience, but rather the mindset. And we would have people come into audition for us who had no improv experience uh, and some with no performing experience, but they had the right attitude and they picked it up and got very good very fast. And then we had others who uh, they had taken classes and experience, but they they didn't have the right mindset. And 
it was always a struggle for them to learn new things and they kind of plateaued in their abilities. And I found that this, this mindset that will lead someone to do great improv was actually the same mindset that lets people respond to change and think quickly and be more effective offstage. So, um, in improv, I, I, I sum these up in three Fs, three words that start with F, and they are fun, failure, and focus. So have fun, be willing to fail, and focus on what you can control and let go of the rest. When someone does those three things on an improv stage, the improv just almost takes care of itself. And in the business world, to me, these are the number one, the qualities I would look for in an employee. Um, and have fun doesn't mean goofing off. It just means that positive energy that opens up creativity, um, being willing to fail doesn't mean mit- minimizing the risks of failure. It just means understanding that the fear of failure is going to do nothing but paralyze you and focusing on what you can control, which is what can I do right here, right now? Not let me obsess about what this other person's thinking or what might happen in the future. Those lead to a great culture. They lead to a strong team and they lead to great employee performance. That's uh, really excellent advice. And, um, how how can a manager apply the rules of improv? Could they would they re, if they read your book? Would it give you some mm-hmm. give them some insight in how they could uh, apply those uh, those rules within their team? Uh, yes. So improvised success. Now, admittedly, that was written a little while ago, <laughs> um, so it might have a little bit. Le- that was written honestly as a little bit more direct for how you can apply the principles of improv more. It's less about how a manager can take those ideas and yeah. apply them. But it's not that hard because if you look at the things I'm telling you to do as a manager, all you need to do is look at those things and say, well, how can I help my employees do this? And kind of, you know, a lot of it's just communication and opening people's eyes to it. I think as a manager, um, managing by questioning Socratic method, getting people there is better than like l- discipline. So in other words, if I come to you and say, you have to have fun, you're going to be like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> but if I come to you and say, uh, you know, Nina, I, I noticed, you know, we've got this project coming up. It's a lot of work. What could, what would you like to do on this project that would bring it, make it more fun for you to do? Um, and now I've got your mind thinking, and then you're going to have accountability because you'll have ownership to it because you came up with the idea that you're going to do instead of me saying, all right, in order to be fun, we're going to stop work at four o'clock and play charades every Friday. Like, <laughs> no, that's going to be dumb. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. I hear that. I hear that. Um, so, how do you can you work with uh, anybody in any time zone, uh, virtually around the world, or is it always face to face? Or how how can people work with you? Because of coronavirus and stuff, I have adapted. I've done a lot of virtual presentations. I do improv comedy virtually, which is always interesting. Doing comedy and interactive improv when you can't see an audience. Um, but to that point is. Yeah, I I can do it virtually worldwide. I did my first, you know, two a.m. local time presentation uh, over the pandemic for a group in Singapore, so that was fun. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, so anybody yeah. anywhere can really uh, uh, get in touch with you with a view to uh, what delivering at their conference or, or working with their team. Exactly, conference, company meeting, retreat, okay. whatever you've got going on. If you want to bring in some humor, some energy, and some ideas around adaptability and saying yes and, then I can definitely do that. Well, it sounds like you've got a really smart approach to and, an, and a unique approach to uh, to uh, fostering innovation and capability and change. So it's been a real pleasure uh, speaking with you, Avish, and people can find you at your website, avishparashar.com. 
either, right? That's it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Avish, and good luck with everything. Lovely speaking. Thank you, Nina. I appreciate it. This episode, we've been speaking with Avish Parisha on the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. Thanks for listening. Until next time, ciao for now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.